0: Thanks for checking out the New Life Speakers podcast. All of our speakers are recorded live at our AA meeting held on Friday nights at 8 p.m. at the Atonement Church in Wyomissing, Pennsylvania. More information about recovery and our upcoming events can be found on our website, newlifespeakers.org. If you don't want to miss our newest upcoming speakers, don't forget to subscribe and turn on notifications. This podcast is self-supporting, so if you enjoy this podcast, please put a dollar or two into our virtual basket. You can find a link for this in the description. And if you know someone in need, please share this with them. Thank you.
1: Hey everybody, I'm Guy and I am an alcoholic. And I was hoping that there would be like 10 or 12 people here. No such luck there. So, uh, my sobriety date is February 9th, 2018. Uh, Took me 40 years to get in here, 40, 41 years of uh, drinking and drugging. Uh, started when I was 17 and um, uh, I love the sayings in here I just can't remember them all but uh, you don't know until you know is one of my favorite ones and uh, like I didn't know that there were other people that felt the way I did that you know felt that that they didn't belong and and felt like I was on, on the outside when when I was at a party or anything it was like I was in a... I, like there was a bubble around everybody else. And... And I was on the outside of the bubble. And... Once I found alcohol, it, that bubble disappeared. But I immediately went way beyond... Um, normal drinking. Like a, uh A lot of my references <clears throat> in, in in music that I listen to like my my friends and I rolling around the basement floor uh, from mountain John I mean I definitely can relate to that because we just got so drunk and we usually drank in, in people's basements and I always got to the point where I was rolling around the floor and um I didn't think there was anything wrong with that. But then uh, there were times when the parents would come home and there's a guy rolling around the basement floor or the kitchen floor laughing hysterically, not sick or anything, just laughing. I never got ugly, I wasn't an ugly drunk. Uh, I didn't get sick. And that gave me some indication that that maybe this this thing uh, with the problem drinking started started right then uh, when I was 20 years old. I I was already I I already realized that I had a problem with drinking, but never really considered quitting drinking. I I came up with other ways that I've found out in this program. Uh, that don't work, like the geographical fix. Uh, I decided that I was gonna go west and get away from, from drinking and drugs and all the people that ripped me off because I sold, I sold weed because I, I didn't wanna pay for it. And um, so everybody else was my problem. So I was I was going I had an opportunity to go out west uh, unfortunately that opportunity was in Las Vegas and um, probably not a good choice of where to go when you're trying to get away from drugs and alcohol and no matter what I, I like in the one story where it says uh, this state this state doesn't work either or, or you know whatever whatever it says you know it's, like, the state isn't the problem, you know. This the, the the location that you're in is not the problem. I was the problem. And, uh... So, I... I, I it, it got worse out there. I lasted a year in Las Vegas. I came back here. And I was born and raised in this area. Um, used to play in that, uh, where are we here? Wherever the parking lot is, over over here where I park in the church parking lot, that used to be a grass lot, and we'd play wiffle ball and football in there. And It's just funny that it, that, that it comes around full circle, and the neighborhood that I grew up in, um, the garages that I used to break into, steal beer out of, whatever else I could find in there uh, is the same place that I come back to for recovery. And when I first got sober, I used to do the what ifs and the shoulda, woulda, couldas, and I really can't stand those phrases anymore and those words because it's, it's a waste of time. Regret is a waste of time uh as it says in the in the big book you know we never re- regret our past but uh uh there again can't remember the the exact words but uh we got we we need to remember them we need to we need to remember our past uh to help out the next next sick and suffering alcoholic and so i i I, when i first got sober i used to think you know what if i could have gotten sober when i was in my early 20s or late 20s or early 30s you know and i look at i I look at uh, the young people in this room and i mean i say i'm envious but that's another word that i you know i use it kiddingly i am i mean and I just think it's fantastic. I was in a meeting one time and there was a, a 16-year-old and a 14-year-old in there. And I just, I, I went to them and I said, if you guys can stick with this program, I mean, your lives will be infinitely better. And, uh, but I just need to accept the fact that, you know, God's plan for me was not to get sober then, apparently. You know, it took, it it, it took 40 years of, 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 you know, learning to, uh, to, to get to where I am and, and I just have to look at it like that. Um, and there again, when, when Chris asked me to speak last night, you know, your, your head starts going, oh, what am I going to talk about? You know what I mean? And then, and, and I, I, I always think I don't give myself much credit for things and uh, I was never in rehab. I had no DUIs. How I avoided that, I couldn't tell you. I mean, I, I'm, I'm a little bit older, so when I first started drinking, DUI was not like it is today. I mean, you get hammered today when you get a DUI. Um, I was doing 110 miles an hour on Park Road I went through the light at Redding Avenue doing about 90, hit the humpback bridge at about 110, and a cop pulled out from Redding Avenue, must have been just driving down the street. And uh, so I made the left. Back then, there was a light at the end, at the Redding motor Inn you know now it's a dead end some of you might remember that so i was like well if i go down to that light i mean that's that could be busy there and i was thinking of shooting through and i even said to the copy after i got pulled over i made the left and went down towards um i don't even know what it is now to go to go down to to make the turn towards uh best buy and that so when I made that turn, there were three squad cars coming at me with blue and reds on and I just pulled over and, you know, they I had a buddy with me and they ripped us out of the car and took us to the police station, to the y Missing Police Station, and uh, I had gum in my mouth so the guy was like, oh shit, we gotta wait, we gotta wait half an hour before we give you a breathalyzer. And back then it was point one. So I blew into the breathalyzer after sitting in the police station for a half an hour and uh, it clicked up and up and up and it went .08, .09 and it stopped. So I got written up for avoiding the police, uh, speeding, going through a red light, underage drinking and all that yielded me I don't know, I got I had other traffic violations at that time, but I had 18 points. And at six, you lost your license. But every point over that gave you an, an additional three days. So so I had to do 36 days for the 12 points over over the six, and then I lost my license for six months. You know, which is shit. It, it, It's nothing. You know, compared to had I done that Today, it would have been pretty bad. But that was just the start of it. I mean, I was 19 years old then. And that wasn't enough to get me to... to you know, to say, hey, maybe uh, maybe I shouldn't drink. And... Uh, and I'm not big into drunkologues. But... Generally, I got pulled over at least eight times over the past 40 years, smashed drunk and somehow drove away from the situation, pulled over, was was nice to the cops, was, was able to articulate. I, I don't even know how. Uh, when I was ever with people, they would be like, how did you just drive away from that? And I, you know, I just... I didn't know myself. And time after time, wasn't, it still wasn't enough for me to, to say I, I need help. I need, I need to not drink and drug. And I mean, there's so many times people talk about blackout drinking. I always remembered what I did. I never lost my car or anything, but I mean, I drove. I heard somebody share in a meeting one time that they drank and drove with their kids in the car, thousands of times. And here's one of those things where you don't know till you know. I thought that sick bastard. And then I started doing the math. I have three daughters, five years apart. Figure eighteen years, <clears throat> uh, twelve years of school, thirteen years of school, plus. Uh, plus the five five year separation, so that's eighteen years. I figure if I if I drove with them, leniently, two hundred days out of the year, which I easily did. I mean, I was when I got in the car, I had a beer with me, and I didn't hide it from my kids. Uh, when we went on trips, there was a. I always had a suburban, and the cooler was in the back. Um... I got divorced relatively early so it was just me and the girls in the car and and they'd each be in a seat because you know they can't be touching each other and uh, when I was done with a beer I would hand the empty to the one in the front seat they'd hand it to the one in the second seat Hand it to the one in the third seat reach in the back get a freshman from the cooler and hand them back up to me that's a sick bastard and and it's something that I, you know, when you're drinking and lying to yourself, and and in the thick of it, it's different. When I think back on it now, I mean, I want to cry. But thank, thank God, I didn't, I didn't get in an accident with them. I didn't, I didn't kill anybody. One of the times I got pulled over, I was coming in Pricetown Road, and right where in uh, Muhlenberg, there where it goes to from two lanes to four lanes. You know, the guy in front of me just wasn't going fast enough, so I stomped on it and flew past him while there was a cop sitting at the on-ramp. It was Friday night and I was at a, a, a picnic, so I was drinking all day already. Cop pulled me over and he said, uh, and I had all three kids in the car, and I was heading to the next party which was in Bretna. So, he uh, gave me a field sobriety test and I, I don't think I could pass one of those sober. You know, count count to 30. You know, stand like this with one leg out and your palms up, count to 30 and then backwards to zero, slowly. And I'm like, you got me right there. I I can't do it, it didn't matter, you know what I mean? I've, so I blew a a point one two, which, you know, isn't terrible. I mean, that was pretty probably pretty much my normal level. If it slipped below that, and everything was a joke with me with drinking, it, it, you know, it was like I, I, I would say uh, I I I feel my alcohol level slipping below the levels that I like to have it at, and then I would drink more. And. Uh, so then he gives me a, he goes well you failed the field sobriety test so uh i'm going to give you a breathalyzer and i blew the 0.12 and and he showed it to me and he goes do you see what's going on here and i said yeah i'm fucked and uh there again it was very I, I was very nice with him, I was cooperative. I didn't say, oh, that's ridiculous, I wasn't going that fast, I didn't argue with him like I've seen so many people do. And uh, he goes, are those your kids in the car? And I'm a wise ass, so you know my response was gonna be, no, I just kidnapped them." <laughs> but I didn't say that, it's, it's just what goes through my mind. And uh, I said, yeah, they're my kids, and he goes, He goes, I'm going to cut you a break. He said, I'm going to write you up for speeding. And I want you to get home. Did I go home? Nope. I went right to that next party. And uh, it was a friend of mine that uh, is in the... He's a parole officer. And there were a bunch of cops at the party. And I was bragging what I just had done. And my buddy came up to me and he said, you need to shut up. He said, you're pissing off a lot of people here. And uh, So I did and as fate would have it, each one of my kids came to me and they said, Daddy, can we go sleep at so-and-so's house? I'm like, yep. So all three of them went to different houses and I stayed at, uh, I stayed at that guy's house you know, whether anybody would have, you know, made a call, it it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Was that enough to make me, you know, ask myself, you know, do you have a problem? Do you need to do something about this? No, no, no. I just, I continued to drink, and I, you know, what year that was, I already had three kids, and they were old enough to go to sleepover, so, you know, I was, uh, mid-thirties, late-thirties, and uh, I still was not done yet. Uh, tried quitting many times, many, many times, but never did I have it in my mind to quit for good. It was always a break. You know, I'm just going to not drink for a week or two weeks or a week or a month or and And I would be able to do that, only knowing that I was going to start again. And then I would be right back to jumping in the car, you know, after 10 beers and 10 shots, and you know a couple biking in and smoking weed and you know just like you know, blazoey just in a, in a state of mind that uh, nobody should get get behind the wheel and I did it time after time and you know I don't like to say it's luck uh, and I, I don't like to say I'm blessed either because you know I, I don't I, I don't you know I, I, I guess you know it's God's plan it was God's plan for me that that's, you know and I, I hear your guys' stories and you know, just like getting hammered and you know, two, three, seven DUIs and it's, and I think I I am blessed because I easily could have been there. So continued on drinking and being told by a lot of people that, that I had a problem and I would ask people, I would ask friends, do you think I drink too much? And they're like, they couldn't get yes out quickly enough. Even my friends that I drank with, that I would consider alcoholics, but that's not my place to determine whether they are or not. And know my sponsor asked me, asked me one time, he said, can you, do you ever see any of your friends that you drank with coming into AA? And I was like, no. And he goes, did you picture yourself ever coming to AA? And I was like, no, I didn't. And uh, so, you know, that's something that I look at uh, after being in the rooms for a while that uh, anything is possible. And if you. Uh, so. February 9th and this was this was planned I planned to to put down the drink permanently I realized that I could not drink at all anymore and I say I but my higher power is always on my shoulder he's the one with the halo there, there is somebody sitting on the other shoulder and I do my best not to listen to him Uh, but he pops up every now and then Uh, so had a couple beers with my ex-wife at my daughter's birthday and that was February 7th and that next Friday I quit drinking and and the Sunday before that was the Super Bowl that the Eagles won and I'm a huge Eagles fan But my girlfriend left that day of 13 years. And I was kind of glad about it, but I was very sad about it. And so another failed relationship directly related to drinking, because I was drinking that day and I think I I, I yelled at her about something. Doesn't matter what. Should never yell at somebody. And um, so, so I, I stopped drinking. And two months later, to the day, I went to a a concert, and this girl walked up to me, and she started talking to me, and I'm, I'm, I'm looking around like, you know, who is this? Who is this girl? And I was thinking my friends gave her 20 bucks and said, go up and and talk to that guy. So that wasn't the case and and we started talking and I said, do you want something to drink? She said, yeah, I'll take a water. And so I, I went up and got two waters and I came back and I asked her if she drank and she said, no, do you? And I said, no, I quit two months ago. And she goes, oh, I'm in AA. She had a southern accent. She goes, maybe you could benefit from A.A. And and we started dating. And she made it clear that she's not gonna date somebody that's not working on themselves, which meant going to A.A. Which is another thing that I now know about A.A. It's not, I mean, not drinking is a huge part of it, but it's really a very small part of it. I mean, to me, AA is learning to be a better person. I call it, uh, when I tell people that I have a meeting, they say, what's the meeting? Or I I tell people I'm taking a class. (coughs) And they say, oh, what's the class for? I'm I'm like, uh, learning how to be a better person. And if they persist, you know, I tell them that it's AA. Uh, and actually, at first, I, I told everybody, and then I found out about the anonymity thing. And you know, I, it's not like I outed anybody. I was just outing myself, which can sometimes be as bad. And uh, but uh, I don't know whether whether I would still not be drinking now. But I know my thinking would be the same had I not come into AA, because I've learned so much uh, uh, about recovery and about living with a clear mind. And that's something that I never did. And that's something I always joked about. Like, like I need a buzz. I, you know, like, I don't like being, being straight. And when I first came into the rooms, and I was smoking weed. At first, and then I heard somebody share that, uh, oh yeah, when they were telling their story, they said, yeah, yeah, I'm good. You know, I, I don't need to drink. I go home at night and I, I smoke some weed and their sponsor said, what? Like, that's uh, that's not being sober. And I know there's different opinions on that and with the the cards and you know, all that bullshit. To me, if it's mind altering, mood altering, I don't want it in my body. Sometimes coffee's too much. I get a little bit too much coffee in me. I mean, I get whacked out, and I don't like that feeling because, you know, some of the drugs that I did made me feel that way, and I, I just don't like it anymore. And um, I remember when I first got sober, and I felt strange, and I couldn't figure out. You know what the feeling was was that was going on in my mind and my body, and it was it was sobriety. It was it was being straight. It, it wasn't having a buzz, and uh, it's it's a wonderful feeling. And when I wake up in the morning, I don't I don't think about drinking. I don't think about. and and that's all i thought about before every single thing i did was was planned around drinking no matter what event it was if it was if it was some place that that you went that there was no alcohol allowed it was a way to sneak it in you know what i mean we're getting that in there no matter what we're drinking or we're gonna get get hammered beforehand so we do not have to carry as much um and when I think back on it now, it's that was exhausting. That, on top of the, the the lying about everything, lying to people, lying to people around me, my family. My mom would call me an alcoholic. She said, "You're you're going to be just like your father," and oh, I didn't like that so much. I mean, I, I love my dad, but. Uh, he was an alcoholic and, and he was selfish and wasn't there for me. Left when I was four. Always told me he was there for me. But, uh, you know, the spirit thing uh, coming from that end just didn't work for me. So, uh, so it hurt a little bit to uh, fulfill my, my mother's uh, prophecy that uh, you know, I'm gonna be just like my dad which is just the alcoholic part. I was always there for my kids. I was drunk most of the time, but uh, I took them everywhere. Drunk, but... And there again, not, not all the time, just like 80% of the time. I think about that, all the school events and stuff and I was always buzzed up sitting in the sitting in the bleachers and uh, So anyway, uh, my sponsor taught me a lot and uh, one of the things that he taught me is don't rely completely on me. Get us get a support group. Build build people around you because I am human and I will disappoint you and I will fail you. And he said you know, if you, if you if you center your your recovery around me, and I and I drink or I use, you know, it's it's going to be a hard place to be. And uh, and he was right. He hasn't he hasn't drunk or used. And uh, I love the man, but he's he dropped off the radar. And. Uh, so that's a, posi- uh, a position that I'm out at right now. i got to decide whether I, whether I get another sponsor or, or what I do. But uh, I, I was kind of joking with uh, a sponsee brother. And I said, are you sponsoring anybody? And he goes, myself. And uh, I was like, yeah, I didn't think of it that way. But uh, yeah, and that was always taboo when you came in you know you can't sponsor yourself need somebody to bounce things off of it's very important in here Uh, so anyway the uh, the urge to drink is is gone it's gone for me I, I I can I can be in bars I can I don't last long because drunk people are annoying they are just loud and obnoxious, and uh, and they're so smart. They are so smart, especially the third time they tell the story. I, they, they get smarter every time they tell the story. And I was the same way, so, uh, but, and, and unfortunately, it's, it's a lot of my really good friends, and I mean, friends from sixth grade. Um, another thing I consider myself blessed Uh, I have a lot of really old time friends and I have a lot of new friends in here in the last four years uh, with home group and all the other meetings that I've gone to and uh, AA to me is just um, it's it's a completely different way of life and I need it um, I love the part of uh, a higher power of your understanding because I went to church at St. James uh, which is now it's where Alpha Group is right down there at 7th and Penn in West Reading and I didn't really like somebody else's conception of, of God which is what was was drilled into me uh, so, you know, being able to choose a loving, forgiving, never punishing God is is a way that I want to go, and and that was a huge, uh, huge turning point point for me in this program, uh, which I knew nothing about when I came in. I came into this room. This is my first meeting, not this meeting. But uh, the Tuesday, Thursday, seven, uh, five forty-five. Walk the walk, and uh, I had a friend that came in three months before I did, and he hit the wall. He hit the bottom uh, a lot harder than I did, and and he's still sober, thank God. And it's all because of this program. And you know, it's just, I'm just grateful. And, and uh, gratitude is, is, uh, is a big part of my life now. When I start feeling sorry for myself or start going down a rabbit hole with some negative thinking, any of that, I, I go to some sort of gratitude list a lot of times, uh, it's my granddaughter. You know, I think about things that I have, not things that I want or things that I didn't get. And it's 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 just a much better way to live live life with a with a positive attitude. I care about. I I learned how to listen to people talk. And this is probably the longest I've ever talked. You know, at once without anybody without any, anybody else chiming in. Uh, but uh, part of that living in that bubble, uh, outside that bubble, was I, I would see these groups of people and, and, and pairs and, and, and there just seemed to be so much chatter and everybody was, you know, engaged with somebody. And I was like, how do you do that? Never could figure out how to do it. Well, the best way is to ask somebody a question about themselves and then stand there and listen, and you can learn a lot about somebody, and uh, and, it, and it's a much better feeling. And if you can offer them any, you know, any hope, uh, it's rewarding. Just like sponsoring people, uh, one of my sponsees is is, is here tonight, and. Uh, I, I remember when my sponsor said I got a guy for you and I was like <laughs> and he turned out to be an awesome dude and uh, he's a pillar of the AA community, he really is I mean he's do—he's doing the deal he's, he's doing the work and uh and it's, it's a great feeling. And he calls me every day. Every single day. And I don't know how long it's been, a year? And, uh, and I love getting the calls from him. Because, you know, that's, that's what he's supposed to do. And now I think he got his first sponsee. So, you know, I'm a, I'm a grand sponsee now. <laughs> well, for the time being, we'll, we'll see. You know, when you get sponsees, it's, uh, sometimes they're short-lived, but that's one thing you got to get past. Uh, In the one story it says, you know, this this guy got got fired, I don't like that either. I would never fire a sponsee, you know, if anything, they, they bow out themselves. By not working the program, not, not doing what you ask of them, what you suggest they should do, and uh, but it's if you stick with it, this program works. It really does. I mean, I see miracles every day in here. And to me, you know, I, I love the stories in the back of the big book, but to me, you know, the, the real stories are are here in this room. And, and I love hearing you guys shares and, and and your stories and been through a lot of shit you know the, the people in this in these rooms and uh, it's amazing what you can recover from mentally and physically and uh, I just really appreciate that you're all here and wow is that enough?
0: <laughs>
1: um, yeah uh, Chris always says I love AA and I got, I've heard other people say it I love AA too and I'm, I'm a better person for it and I'm a better person because you guys are sitting out here and there's no doubt about it and I you know I hope everybody does the work and uh, comes to the other side. That's all I got.
0: Thanks for checking out this episode of the New Life Speakers podcast. Please remember that our group is self-supporting through its seven tradition. Donations can be made by clicking the link on our website, newlifespeakers.org. You can also find a link for this in the description below. Tune in next week for a new speaker, and thanks for listening.